Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Before we get into the podcast today, just want to give everybody uh a reminder about the UK Investor Magazine virtual conference, which is coming up on the 15th of December. There will be a link in the notes to this podcast for everyone to, to sign up. It's obviously a virtual one, um, be taking place at, at, at 10 a.m. And we're going to be having a number of listed companies presenting, as well as um, a few interesting keynote speeches looking at the investment uh, arena going forward into 2020. So for today's podcast, we're very kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Hi, Jonathan. Good to be back. So we, we as usual, have uh, a number of stocks that we're going to be discussing. However, Alan, let, let's just look um, very briefly at the overall markets because we're recording this pod- podcast shortly after we've just got the news that. Um, the Pfizer vaccine is going to be rolled out in the UK from next week. But we're seeing a relatively muted reaction in, in, in markets. I mean, we've seen a bit of positivity in the FTSE 100, but, uh, but, but nothing major there. I would make the argument that to some extent, the good news is being has already been priced in to markets. And we're now going to be looking at a situation where people are starting to assess the devastation of on the UK economy and, and, and indeed on the global economy. And that's going to be the next phase uh, in, in this COVID story. I mean, in, in your opinion, Alan, when you're looking at markets, what degree of caution do you think people should put towards looking at equities, given the rally that we've had coming into to the vaccine and and could we see a, a buy the rumor sell the the, the facts set up as um, vaccines are, are rolled out more widely across the globe yeah I think there's a there, there's a cocktail if you, if you'll excuse the pun a cocktail of of, uh, of uh, data and um, news that's uh, that's you know driving and um, well, it's driving and and it's holding the holding the, the indices back at the moment. But of course, we are coming up to that. Uh, this, well, the, uh, historically, this time of year, we come up to what what is referred to as the Santa Rally period. So, um, we you could argue that there may be a small element of that, but clearly, the news we've had this week uh, from the the old fashioned retailers like Debenhams and Arcadia um, really have sounded. In many ways, the death knell for the high street, and I think investors are going to be looking at some of the other major chains out there, such as um, Marks and Spencer, and wondering how much longer Marks and Spencer can retain its broad spread of stores and uh, and and uh, and property portfolios. Um, having said that, on the property front, we also had the news from Nationwide that house prices have risen risen six point one percent this year, which is quite astonishing, you know, considering that uh, um, that uh, the uh, the country has been in lockdown. Um, commercial property has effectively uh, ceased to function. But of course, um, we have seen this migration from uh, city dwellers moving out to the country. And indeed, where I live in Seaford, um, Seaford has been uh, has been uh, picked out 
by a number of press articles in recent weeks as being one of the most desirable places to live um, due to its accessibility to the city, the fact it's by the coast and we've got wonderful downland and, and all the rest of it. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not advertising uh, living in Seaford. Clearly, I'm quite happy, quite happy that uh, we don't have too many more people going down here. But, um, but nonetheless, um, yeah, it's starting to impact. Um, so uh, we may see uh, a modicum of uh, a Santa rally in the next few weeks, but um, there's going to be some pain in the new year. The Chancellor has already said, Rishi Sunak has already said that, um, you know, the, the economy is very much in emergency mode at the moment. And um, the the key really is getting people back to work and getting get, getting movement uh, underway again. So in order to do that, yep, great, we've got the vaccine, but people can still carry it around through travel. So we then need something, we then need effective testing, whether you get on a train, whether you get on uh, an aircraft, whatever, we need effective rapid testing um, and also um, an efficient way to store that the, the, that uh, person's data. So when the person gets to where they're going or uh, they travel, then they can present their case uh, um, to 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 the uh, the the uh, authorities at the other end. So yeah, um, I think. Uh, We've gone as far as we're going to go for now. We may see a bit more of a pop-up in the run-up to Christmas, but um, I think the new year, I think January is going to be a challenging period. So, I mean, we were discussing just before we started recording, Alan, um, the, the the big changes and big shifts in, uh, you know, working uh, in environments. Of course, people have been working from home. There's, you know, been the expectation from the hospitality sector that people... Uh, you know, so as soon as the lockdowns are, are lifted, they're going to going to be going back out um, to the pubs and cafes and such like. In, indeed, I mean, I, I think that will be happening uh, in, in the evening. Hospitalities for, for leisure, but when, when you're looking um, at the um, you know sort of working environment and, and the businesses that rely on that, so you know, sort of coffee uh, places, you know, particularly around the city, and um, of course uh, in in the wider UK. Do you think that there is a bit of an underestimation in uh, the market's um, thinking in terms of what it's going to look like in terms of the resetting of the UK economy going forward, that we're not just going to see this vaccine as a golden bullet and everything goes back to normal? Indeed, um, you know some of the businesses that have been looking forward to, to a vaccine aren't actually going to see any benefit from it and ultimately... Are going to go to the wall, and and is there going to be a level of economic fallout? Do you think that hasn't been um, properly priced in yet? Well, I I think the difference probably this time around is that um, as opposed to other major events in history, the level of government support, both for individuals and businesses, is unprecedented by any standards. Um, and the government has announced this week, of course, in the in the tier three um, uh, in the tier three uh, areas uh, throughout the UK that it will provide additional support for the leisure industry. Um, you know the the hospitality venues such as pubs and clubs. It will it will now get additional support. So we've got a government that's certainly listening and responding to to uh, businesses, um, and this support will continue. But there are some companies that 
for whom that's come too late. And I know personally some businesses in the hospitality sector that um, have basically uh, uh, have basically gone into liquidation as a result of these measures. So there is going to be to be pain, but I think that will be mitigated to some degree by government support. So um, I think the index. I think there will be some downward movement and some retesting of lows come the new year, but I don't think it'll be a catastrophic fall off a cliff uh, scenario such as we had back in March uh, 2020. Indeed. I mean, I'm just looking here at the FTSE 350 and, and the, the best performers uh, since the first news of, of a vaccine near the beginning of November. And we're looking at Cineworld up over 120%. Yeah. Um, SSP Group, uh, the catering group, up about 90%. EasyJets and, and Tui Travel, both up uh, just over 60%. Of course, Rolls-Royce uh, in, involved in that industry, also up 60%. So there has been a big move back into the, the travel and leisure sector. So I think this is going to be a particularly interesting sector in uh, in, in Q1 of 2020 to see how that uh how that plays out, but that I think this moves is um, quite nicely into the the stocks that we're going to be discussing um, today, and 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 the first one that uh, I'd like to touch on is, is Eddie Stobart because that has uh, a big relationship with the health of the the UK economy. So what's what's the latest that's been happening at Eddie Stobart? Well, Eddie Stobart um, has had quite a couple of years really as as a corporate entity. Um, We've spoken about them on several occasions. Um, so Eddie Stobart Limited, ESL the group, um, uh, owns obviously the, the iconic truck fleet that we see on the roads and you can buy as these uh, model model lorries and, and so on. Um, it owns the supply chain management group, iForce, um, recruitment company, logistics people, and also the courier company, Speedy Freight. Um, so it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's a, a, an entity that has a broad spread of risk. Um, now there were some major, some, some major financial uh, restructuring events that took place um, at the end of two thousand nineteen. Um, an accounting hole was revealed. Um, long story short, the company needed to raise money. Um, a, a group called DBay Advisors came in, injected seventy million at what was then roughly the equivalent of thirty two p in the share price. Shares are trading currently at um, nine and a half p, been as high as um, they've they been trading sort of as high as fourteen pence uh, uh, on the year, but uh, we're trading much higher than that uh, prior to prior to the event. In fact, as high as a pound. Um, so DBay came in, invested the money, um, and um, uh, the, the company was effectively divided in two. The PLC became a cash shell. And um, uh, the, a, a, a company was set up to continue running the business entity, um, uh, which was largely owned by DBay Advisors, um, in order to keep the business going. And keep going, they did. Um, in fact, during the year, their trading has improved dramatically. Um, the, uh, the 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 company bought in Adrian Collins, a, a, a finance veteran uh, who's well known around the city. Um, and been uh, been uh, acted as chairman and FD on for a number of uh, well-known companies. He's uh, been responsible for the restructuring of the group going forward. Uh, the company's also acquired uh, the rights to the Eddie Stobart 
um, uh, brand name, which of course was formerly owned by Stobar Group, the other listed entity that was uh, the, the, the two were separated uh, some years back. Um, and then we came to October where the company um, announced uh, results, um, half-year results, um, and it was revealed that uh, the group had generated £416 million sterling, a fall of 1.1%, um, but underlying EBITDA had risen 363% to £16.5 so um, this was driven by strong demand, and bearing in mind that Stobart, Eddie Stobarts are the uh, they provide the logis- logistics and transport to Tesco's and a, a raft of other major brand names throughout the UK. This has continued, and obviously with the lockdown, it's um, it, it has, if anything, grown. Um, the company's also shed loss-making contracts, um, uh, and it's also initiated pay down of this debt mountain, which stands at. 242 million um and it's uh, it's also uh, repaying um loan notes um and during the period um I, I mentioned the other brand names it's also won new contracts with mcbride uh, morrisons nike amazon and, and and so on and all of the the uh, the companies within the group iforce logistics people have also contributed to to the growth of the of the company Companies forecasting EBITDA of at least 33 million on the year. And um, the share price popped back up uh, the other day to about 14p. And the company announced that um, it will be, it's in the process of a small fundraise of 6 million. Um, and uh, the that that will basically turn uh, Eddie Stobart Limited, the cash, or Eddie Stobart PLC, the cash shell, into an investing company they got until 9th of december to do that so um so uh, once they do that then um i think we'll see the group uh, continue to grow and um continue to pay down debt and return to its former glories interesting so i mean with this company uh, alan i mean do, do you think as the the uk economy starts to improve that that people will, will see uh the the value in eddie stobart or, or do you think it's a company that people should be looking at um you know okay the economy may, may improve but it but it's one that they should be paying more attention to what the company is, is doing eternally internally to to see that the value there yeah, I think I think logistics companies like this, um, established ones, have always um, been good investments. We, we, we've seen other companies around, obviously Wincanton, who were going to buy Stobarts. Um, that's that's a well-run entity. Although you know the the margins are slim, but um, but I think with with Stobarts, it's uh, it's it's been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons because because of this restructuring and and the debt mountain that was uh, was uh, revealed. But um, but. Having said that, you know this is a great brand name, um, and I think uh, it's given the group the opportunity to undertake this restructuring. It's shed loss-making contracts, um, cash flow, operating cash flow is now positive. And bear in mind, this is a company that on the year is going to turn over some uh, some eight hundred and thirty, eight hundred and forty million sterling. Um, now. That's between the two. So you've got uh, White Star Acquisitions, which, of course, the company set up by DBA Advisors that owns 51% of the entity. 
uh, Eddie Stobart PLC owns 49%. So when Eddie Stobart PLC becomes an investing company again, um, one assumes that uh, it will start, it will invest back into the business and how the structure will be after that uh, remains to be seen. But nonetheless, if you take the two, um, there's a combined market cap of about 70, 70 million sterling there. Um, now, this is a company that was valued at um, at uh, at uh, way, way beyond that, getting on for a billion, in fact, um, about a year and a half ago. So um, I think uh, with the restructuring that's taken place, uh, with the new contract wins, we are going to see this company grow and return to its, form, its former glory. So I think it does offer, it offers a speculative, but potentially high return investment opportunity. Indeed, and certainly one to watch in 2021. So, so moving on now, Alan, we're going to be looking at uh, a gold company here, uh, gold and zinc. Um, but just just touching on gold briefly, we've been discussing uh, the impact of the vaccine on equity markets. We have, of course, seen a very strong rally in gold throughout 2020. But, but since the... Uh, the news of the, of the vaccine had, has come out. That risk element um, and people buying gold for, for a safe haven ha, has uh, decreased to some extent. And, we, and we've seen gold fall off from um, just shy of, of, of 2,100 down to just above 1,800 at this point in time. Do, do you think that the, the gold story and the gold rally is, is now done for 2020? No, I, I think it's the opposite, um, and there's a very good reason for that. And we've seen um, we've seen various uh, uh, reports uh, and various sort of market pundits taking the view that the the market for or the bull market is over. But um, but my opinion, and again, it is my opinion, but certainly it's the opinion of many other very experienced um, uh, uh, market uh, analysts uh, uh, in in this sector, is that the the, the bill from COVID, I mean, it's estimated to be some $28 trillion globally. Um, so that's going to have the net effect. And, and of course, that's just at present. And uh, Rishi Sunak, our, our Chancellor, mentioned just now that uh, he said that the economy is, is in emergency mode. Um, and I've no doubt there will be further requirements to provide some financial support, support for the leisure industry that hasn't previously been, been budgeted. So if you multiply that that out across the world, um, I think this bill is going to rise. And of course, effectively, governments have to print money to 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 pay for this. So that has a net, the net effect of devaluing fiat currency, and that process simply um, simply uh, adds to the, the value of gold, and I might add other commodities too. Um, I mean, there, there was there, there was commentary from um, uh, U.S. investment group Energy and Capital. Um, that uh, referred to the value of the US dollar. It's being weakened every day. There's nothing that the Federal Reserve or politicians can do to stop it, which will continue to have a tremendous effect, driving gold prices and the gold market in general higher. So, um, And that was also um, TD Securities um, said that uh, the driver of investment flows into precious metals has been sourced from a powerful impulse lower in interest rates. The US Fed's continued attempt to spark high inflation expectations will continue to suppress real rates deeper into negative territory and this will continue to drive appetite for precious precious metals and quite simply that that's the underlying factor we'll get short-term blips no doubt but the underlying issue is 
um, low interest rates and uh, and uh, an effective devaluation in fiat, in fiat currency. Fantastic. So m- moving on now to, to the company that we're going to be d- d- discussing now is um, Arkle Resources. And one that I think I'll just point out that for a company that's in, in the exploration stage, uh, which Arkle very much is, the, the price of gold, I, I feel, doesn't have too much of an impact on the, these companies. And whether it goes up to sixteen hundred, or goes down to sixteen hundred next, or up to two thousand, it, it's the projects um, that, that these companies are working on, and, and the discoveries and the resources that they find is the most important thing. So, what's been happening at um, Arkle recently, Alan? Okay, so Arkham Resources uh, has gradually crept up in value over over the past uh, the past few months. Currently got a valuation of three three point three million shares, trading one point one p. Have been as high as one point six p and as low as zero point four p. So this is the former Connemara Mining, which was rebranded back in March this year to Arkham Resources, um, and they uh, that the, the, there are. Uh, uh, focused on, on Ireland on primarily uh, three key projects. Um, the key project is the zinc project, um, and this is the Stone Park uh, uh, zinc project um, discovered in 2007 in County Limerick. Um, and the the discovery at, of Stone Park is um, uh, adjacent to the Palace Green zinc um, zinc mine, which is owned by Glencore. Um, now. The Stone Park asset um, is 76% owned by a TSX listed company called Group 11, and Argo Resources own the remaining 23.4% um, of the asset. There's a, a maiden inferred resource of 5.1 million tonnes um, of lead and zinc, uh, grading with 11.3% uh, zinc. Um, but uh, what's really driven the, the share price is the... Um, is is the increase, uh, the, or the fact that Glencore has been gradually increasing its shareholding in Group Eleven, and now owns twenty six percent of the company. So clearly, for a company like Glencore, it's got its uh, the Palace Green asset, um, Stone Park is adjacent to it, so it's almost a plug and play solution for them. So I think uh, you know the the, uh, the share price of Arkle will continue to um, to 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 be strong on the back of that. Um, and of course, you know, any news uh, in that direction will, will drive it higher. It also has um, uh, zinc projects in Old Castle, Cowan and Meath, uh, sorry, Cavan and Meath, and um, County Leash, uh, the Derry Kern project, and also a project in West 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 Cork. Um, and the West Cork project is basically um, uh, base metals, including lead and silver. So these have um, th- th- these are projects owned by the group. There's not been a great deal of of progress in those this year, but uh, there has been some some uh, some developments at the other projects, which I'm coming on to now. So we then come on to the Mine River project, which is the, a gold project in Wicklow in Ireland that entails eight licenses across a 15 kilometer section. Um, the company has undertaken drilling um, at the Tom Breen prospect. Um, uh, and they've uh, they discovered um, uh, the, well, the best the best sample from there was twenty one grams per ton with another sample of four point five grams per ton. And um, 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 Wednesday last week, the company announced it had discovered another gold bearing vein at Mine River. Um, group had undertaken 
some trenching work at Mine River, and they discovered visible gold mineralization during this trenching process. And this is some 750 meters from the Tom Breen drill holes, um, and uh, they've already sampled from this uh, new from this this new gold bearing vein, five point five and a half uh, grams per ton. So, again, you know the, the Mine River prospect um, is is really starting to yield up some some decent uh, grades of gold. There is also the Inner Showen Gold Project, uh, which is in uh, northern Donegal. Um, and uh, this is uh, the MENA prospect, um, um, which includes uh, Inner Showen. Um, Arkel was the first to drill in this area. And um, one sample from the uh, prospect there was as high as 74 grams per tonne. Um, and again, there there is has been progress on Inner Showen. Uh, this year, um, the in undertaking some more field work, they discovered a new prospective area to the southwest of this prospect, um, and uh, the company are or intend to start commence drilling by the year end, um, and uh, following the discovery of strong gold indicators. So again, um, there are there's a great cross section of projects here. So you've got the the uh, the exploration or the the, um, the speculative um, end of the uh, end of the company assets, which are in a show in a mine river, with developing the gold assets, and then we have we have really the valuation asset that underscores the the growth in uh, in Arkle, which is the Stone Bridge uh, or the Stone Park project, uh, which it owns twenty three point four percent with Group Eleven. Of course, that's adjacent to the to the Palace Green asset owned by Glencore. So 3.3 million, I think at this level, there's everything to play for. And uh, we could well see a very strong 2021 from this little company. Yes, indeed. And very interesting. There, one that we have uh, discussed on the podcast previously, and I'm sure one that we will um, update listeners with as soon as they produce some, uh, some more updates on their projects there. So to finish off now, Alan, again, this is one that we have discussed before, um, but they've uh, recently gone through a, a rebrand. It was formerly Two Shields, now Brand Shield. What else has uh, been happening behind the scenes apart from the rebrand? Okay, so it, it's less of a, a rebrand, more of a, a restructuring. Um, so I'll just summarise uh, what the group uh, um, is about uh, um, because they have a number of assets. Um, so, the, firstly, about Brand Shield Cybersecurity. So, this is run by um, uh, the, it has a, a group of, uh, of uh, Israeli directors, Yoav Karen, the CEO, and uh, the chairman is a, a guy called Azrael or Uzi Moscovici, uh, who is a, a technology um, veteran. Um, he's currently he's worked with the in cybersecurity in, in Tel Aviv. Was also a major general in the Israeli Defence Forces Cyber Defence and IT Directorate. Um, so so these are these are guys and I think um, it's fair to say that um, that Israeli tech is some of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. These guys are absolutely at the cutting edge. So Brandshield itself was developed um, as a as as a as a an IT company to fight uh, the uh, the problem of fraudulent activity online phishing and so on. Um, uh, the company have noted a, a surge in fraudulent activity in a, a raft of sectors, pharmaceuticals, medical, banking, 
for, uh, foreign exchange, loans, gambling, deliveries, etc. Um, but also during the COVID crisis, um, there, there's been a real surge in fraudulent activity, selling fake medicines for COVID, uh, test, you know, fake testing for COVID, and so on. And on September 17th, Brandshield announced a contract with pharma security, the Pharma Security Institute to, to, to put their skill sets to work to, 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 to battle this. So the great thing is, of course, they have these contracts. They have recurring revenue contracts. Um, and uh, they um, they announced in June they'd already neutralized over 150 phishing websites targeting the Levi Strauss brand. Um, and, uh, you know, Corona, they said themselves that coronavirus is really a coming of age for scammers and con artists. So, so such is the strength of growth in the business that um, the company effectively... Uh, Two Shields Investments has evolved into Brand Shield, so it's rebranded from Two Shields into Brand Shield, um, but it also retains a lot of the uh, a lot of the historical assets owned owned by the group, and and this is this is important for um, for a, a number of reasons. Um, the uh, the company I'm just uh, picking up the so so Brand Shield has got offers end to end to end digital protection, but um, it also has an e commerce um, called WeShop, which uh, the group owns ten uh, percent of, um, and uh, WeShop raised nine million uh, back in August um, via a convertible loan note uh, to to further develop um, the the e-commerce solution, and of course utilizing the Brand Shield uh, offering within that. And you uh, of Karen, the CEO of Brand Shield, was also appointed to the board at that stage. Um, the company has uh, um, has a stake in global geosciences. Uh, it also has a stake in Kalahari, the Kalahari key mineral um, asset in Botswana. Um, owns seventeen point eight percent of that, and also four percent of Power Metal Resources. And of course, when I've discussed Power Metal Resources, we have discussed that asset. Um, so this asset in, is rising in value, um, and the group said that. Uh, the Two Shields legacy investment portfolio would be retained going forward. Um, and although there's no, no obligation to continue funding the assets, they may be disposed over time as the board sees fit. So as a result of the uh, financial restructuring, um, we now see Brand Shield uh, trading at uh, 22p um, and uh, with, with a market cap of 23 million. Um, and uh, clearly they're... Uh, the company is very much of its time uh, in in battle in having the probably the the market leading solution globally to to fight phishing and to fight online fraudulent uh, activity. So just going back and very quickly to their their legacy assets there. I mean, do do you think now that Brand Shield is is, is done with the mining side of things? It, you know, obviously it's going to hold on to the investments for now. Um, but is this now a company that's just going to be focused on the Brand Shield? Um, brand and, and products and, and the mining side of things is something that's very much in their past. I don't think it's in the past. I mean, they, they stay clearly in the in the RNS that uh, they're retaining the legacy assets going forward. Um, if I I, I I would expect that if an opportunity comes uh, arises to to sell those, then then it will do that. But um, but clearly, uh, Brand Shield is now. The, the growth company going forward. This is the the growth entity per se. Um, the chairman Andrew Lawley has been retained from Two Shields, so so that that re, that that remains going forward. But um, clearly, 
uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at Brandshield as a company. If it's looking to grow, or it's looking to make acquisitions, it's got assets within the group that it can sell in order to fund those acquisitions. So, um, so yeah, they, the, the board have said that they will sell those um, if the opportunity arises or if it's deemed suitable to do so. Um, so um, I think, uh, you know, we, we'll just see how the company goes. And uh, But, yeah, I, I, I do – I would expect them to offload the non-core assets going forward. Fantastic. So, again, uh, an interesting company there to, to watch in, in 2021 as it pushes forwards with its – uh, new chosen line of business. So just as, as a recap there, the, the stocks that were discussed today were Arkle Resources with the ticker of ARK, um, Eddie Stobart ticker ESL, and the newly uh, rebranded and, and restructured, and I think we probably didn't mention it, but it was it was done via way of, of a reverse uh, takeover there. And there's been a admission to uh, the aim there. But the new ticker there is BRSD. So, Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you, Jonathan. So ju- just as a reminder, um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, the 15th of December, we have the next UK Investor Magazine virtual conference. And you'll be able to sign up to that in the notes of this podcast. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.